Um, as Ron said, man, extra special welcome to anyone who you're here, but you don't know why you're here. Like, you know what I mean? Like you were told it was a day in the park and they had free brats. And little did you know, you'd be sitting in a chair and, and being told about a tomb that's empty. But extra special welcome to you. For those of you that are here and Man, you may, you may be on a journey with God and you're like, I don't even know if I need God. Welcome. Welcome today. Um, because if you take a look around, there's a whole bunch of God's family that are here today that are living proof that the tomb is empty. There are people whose, whose marriages have been changed because they showed up to something where Jesus was being talked about. And, and in that moment of, hey, I don't even know if I believe this. My marriage is falling apart. They met Jesus and it changed everything. We're praying that for you today. We're praying that today isn't just a day when you showed up and you went to church. By the way, if you, if you came because you thought you went to church, I got good news for you. You didn't come to church. You came to a holy celebration. You came, to a, you came to a gathering of people who are alive and well because the spirit of Jesus Christ that has been raised from the dead lives inside of them. And so welcome. And you might have noticed that we've been doing this little thing with, with the theme of glimpse. A glimpse is a momentary glance. And maybe, maybe the best way to kind of show you what this looks like, Ted, I'll do my best not to cover you. But the idea is that you get a second to see something. Or the front row, my apologies. David told me to throw it higher. But you get a second to see something and then it is gone. And just today, this may be your second to see something. You see, what's fascinating about humans is, is some of us are colorblind. Uh, roughly they say about 1 in 12 men are colorblind. And what happens when you're colorblind is your eye takes in light and in your retinal cone cells, it translates that light in ways that, that a normal color-seeing person wouldn't see. And so the colors aren't consistent. And reds and greens show, show up a lot like brown. And what's crazy is you take men, one in 12 men are colorblind, you take men shopping with you, ladies. And you ask them, what do you think? Which some of you are like, I wish I was colorblind right now so I didn't have to look at you. Um, but, but the idea, maybe I am colorblind. I didn't think about that. Um, actually, I did. So, but, but the idea of, you ever think about it? You take a man shopping? And when you get, it, get him shopping, you ask him, what do you think of this? What if, what if he's colorblind? I had a good friend of mine who was. He saw everything as brown. And so when he would get dressed in the morning he, and he'd walk out, his wife would go, you're wearing that? And he's like, what's wrong with it? You see, colorblindness is an interesting thing. And in fact, so much so that I actually took a test because I, I started like, thinking about this idea of color and seeing colors. And I was like, what if I'm colorblind? And nobody ever told me. And so I went online. If you've ever taken a colorblind test, 
Okay, they try and trick you. I'm just going to tell you right now. Like, like they take this circle and put all different colors with numbers and you're supposed to recognize. Some of them don't have numbers. I was like, I don't see nothing. Does that mean I'm colorblind? I'm like panicking, taking the test. But it's one thing to be colorblind in life and see the world a certain way and think you're seeing it the same as everybody else, but in actuality, you're not because you're missing some of the vibrance that's there. It's entirely another thing when spiritually you are colorblind. And, and what I mean by that is this, that you've been living your whole life thinking what you are experiencing in life is normal. That, that the, some of the moments that you have in your own soul where, where you just consider, they're, they're just normal to you Today, today is your day to see in living color. Because I believe there's a color test in the Bible that happens around this day we call Resurrection Sunday. And I believe this color test allows us to know where am I on my journey with God and what am I seeing? And am I missing out? And our prayer for you, you need to know that everybody would lead this leave this park today and you would see vibrant colors that God intended life to be. And so I want to give you three glimpses, just real quick, three stories. And the first one began on that morning when, when Mary, who had prepared spices, she's heading to the tomb. And Mary gets to the tomb and she notices that the tomb where they laid Jesus, and just so we're real clear, when Jesus went to that cross and he hung on that cross, we call that Good Friday, and he bled out and he gave his last breath and he said, it is finished, it was for you. If you ever wonder if God loves you, if you're here and you go, man, I, first of all, I don't even know about God. I don't even know if I like him. You need to know that God's madly in love with you. So in love with you that he would cross an entire universe, spread out his arms, and as he spreads out his arms, his declaration over you is, I love you for all of eternity. Those days, you know those days you have, because we all have them, when the darkness starts to seep in and we don't start to see quite right, you need to look at a cross that declares God loves you when you start to doubt. When, he, when Mary got to the tomb, she, she, she noticed the rock had been rolled away. And she doesn't even go any closer. She turns around and hightails it back. And she tells these two guys who, who their names are Peter and John. And, and Peter and John were, were like my kind of people. Like they're competitive, right? And so competitive that, that it actually says that, that they, the, the person who's writing it, which is John, he talks about himself being the disciple that Jesus loved, Right? And then he refers to the other guy as the other guy, the other disciple. And he begins to talk about like that, that first morning as it's recorded, they go on a foot race. And they're, they're, the image that I have is like somebody ever come in and go, you guys see this. And you know those two people that get up first and they break out the door first? That, that's, that's the image. And they go running towards this tomb where the rock has been rolled. They don't even know what they're going to find. They don't know what's happened. So far, they haven't connected the dots. 
And they get to the tomb and, and they notice it's rolled away. And the, the disciple who Jesus loved, John, he's there first. And he makes sure to know that you know he got there first. And it's almost like he's just hanging around like, come on, Peter. And it says that Peter rushes right by him. And I have this image that Peter just like, like as he's running by, actually hits him in the shoulder. I don't know if that's true. But you know when you barge past somebody because you just got to get there. And he gets in there and it says that the, the linens are right where Jesus had been. And then it says that John turned around and John went in. And John saw, in John chapter 20, it says that John saw and believed. What I would like to propose today is that John got a glimpse of the resurrected Jesus. And it was just a glimpse. It was just a moment. But it changed everything. You see, John's the guy that later would be in a locked room. Because he's like, I know the tomb was empty, but I don't know where Jesus is. And it says that Jesus walks. How he does this, I don't know. But when you're resurrected, I guess you can do it. I'm waiting for that body. But you can walk through walls. And he stands in their midst. And it's that moment that it changes everything. They got a glimpse of the resurrected Jesus and it changed their life forever. So much so that later John would write a book. And in that book, writing to us today so that we don't miss it. He goes, you know what you are? Those of you that have had a glimpse of Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, you know what you are called? You are, ch- you are children of God. You are children of God. That is what you are. In John's mind, he went from black and white to color. The moment he got a glimpse, and you know what changed? He went from orphan to child. He went from not belonging to belonging. He went from orphan to family. We got any family in here? We got anybody who can resonate with the resurrected Jesus in here? Peter, he begins to write. He writes a letter to churches. He writes a letter to us. And he says specifically, hey, don't forget you have a new birth. So for Peter, when he sees the resurrected Jesus, when he gets a glimpse, what happens to him is he actually transfers his birth where he had no future in the old. In the black and white, he had no future. It says, now you have an inheritance. Your future is secure for all of eternity. Why? Because he got a glimpse of the resurrected Jesus. Another person... I want to take a quick look at is a guy named Stephen. And Stephen was said to be a man full of grace. That, that he was full of the Holy Spirit. And he began to talk about this resurrected Jesus. He began to live and, and he began to perform signs to say, look, Jesus is alive. And he began to show people. And as he would show people, the people that were of the other religious sect, they began to get frustrated. And so they sent witnesses to come and bear lies about him so that they could arrest him. 
And so Stephen is arrested and they're like, hey, tell us, tell us what happened. And so Stephen begins to tell them, he begins to walk them through from, from Abraham and God showing up with Abraham and sending him out. And he goes through Moses and he begins to work his way through and he gets to the resurrected Jesus. And as he gets to the resurrected Jesus, I, I want you to hear something. It's in Acts chapter 7, if you want to turn in your Bible. But in Acts chapter 7, it tells the rest of the story. In verse 54, when the members of the Sanhedrin, that's the people who were in charge, the religious leaders, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious. So when they heard about the resurrected Jesus, they were furious and gnashed their teeth. Okay, like, how mad do you got to be today to gnash your teeth? I hope nobody's sitting there gnashing their teeth because we're talking about an empty seat. How mad do you have to be to start gnashing your teeth to, to, to start essentially becoming a dog? You're so mad. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus, this, is, this, is after, this is after the story I just told you about. This is later. The church is growing. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Where is Jesus in the story? Standing at the right hand of God in heaven. Where is Jesus today? Standing at the right hand of God in heaven. That's victory, by the way. That's claiming he's alive. And he said, look, he said, I see heaven open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their eyes and yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed at him, dragging him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. When they were stoning Stephen, literally throwing rocks at him until he was going to die. Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep and Saul approved of their killing him. I would like to propose to you that today, just like Stephen, Stephen got a look. He got a glimpse of the resurrected Jesus. He looked up into heaven and saw Jesus at the right hand of God. And the glimpse of the resurrected Jesus changed a moment of fear. You know why I think a lot of us don't step into relationship with Jesus? Because we are scared of what it will mean. Can I tell you for, for Stephen what happened when he stepped into relationship with Jesus? When he stepped and he looks up and he sees, when he gets a glimpse of the resurrected Jesus, he's staring fear in the face. They are going to kill him. They are throwing stones at him. And you know what he can do? He can stand strong. Today, if you're here and fear is dominating your life, I got good news for you. The tomb is empty. Jesus is raised from the dead. He is in heaven at the right hand of the Father. He is there for you. You catch a glimpse of him today. Fear has to leave today. 
In fact, you can become so strong that you stand. That you stand and you stare fear in its face. And as you stare fear in its face, you can actually forgive. That blows, that's, that staggers me, by the way, that, that, that as people are throwing rocks at you, you can turn to them and go, hey, God, don't hold it against them. You holding something today? Forgiveness been hard? Bitterness ruling your life? I got a remedy for you. You can test if you're seeing in color or not, because if, if bitterness is owning you, you're seeing in black and white. The color version of the resurrected Jesus is you can forgive even as they are abusing you, even as they are killing you, even as they are throwing their words at you. The resurrected Jesus changes everything. One last story. There's a man named Saul that we talked about in that story. And it says that the witnesses came and they laid their coats at the feet of Saul. And it says that Saul approved of their killing. So, so, so you have a man who is at the killing of Stephen named Saul. And you have the witnesses. By the way, the witnesses were the ones paid to say what they said. And they lay their jackets down at Saul's feet. And as they lay their jackets down, Saul goes, I approve this message. I'm okay with this. I want to take you to one more passage. It's in chapter 9. And it tells us a little bit more about Saul. It says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing in verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest who, who was in charge at the time and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found there any who belonged to the way, so if he found anyone who was claiming Jesus is risen, so if he walked in this park today, he would start to round up anyone who's like, I'm with Jesus. That was Saul's job. Whether, whether men or women... He might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So he would roll up. He would look for people that were claiming that Jesus had rose from the dead. He was claiming, looking for people that said, I'm a part of this way. And when he found them, when he found them, they would go to prison and more than likely lose their life. As he neared Damascus on his journey, don't miss this. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground. He heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus. How do dead men speak? If Jesus is not alive, he cannot speak to Saul after the cross. I am Jesus who you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard a sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground and when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind. Saul's just doing what Saul does. Can we be clear that Saul's going down the road and as he's going down the road, he's got a mission and the mission is the opposite of what God wants. 
Maybe today we could just talk about people that are here that maybe you, at some point in your life, you got a glimpse of Jesus, but your life looks nothing like Jesus. In fact, you're living the opposite of what Jesus wants. That was Saul. Saul didn't care about Jesus. You know what's amazing with Saul's life is as he's arresting Christians, he would have heard them speak. He would have heard testimonies. He would have watched them die. He would have carried them off to prison. He'd been around Christians. He'd been around church. And yet, he was far from seeing in color. I don't know if you're here today, but here's some great news, okay? Paul's going down the road, or Saul's going down the road. They changed his name to Paul later. So if I say Paul, it's the same dude. As, as Saul's going down the road, he didn't expect to meet Jesus. I don't know if you came here expecting to meet Jesus, but Saul didn't either. You're in good company. So Saul didn't deserve Jesus to show up. There was no part of this meeting when the lights flash and God goes, hey, I'm here. Jesus goes, I'm here. It's me. Why are you against me? He didn't deserve it. He hadn't done all the right things. Maybe you've been going to church and you're trying to do the right things. I got good news for you. It's not about the right things you do. It's about the right things that he did. It's not about what you can muster up. It's not about what you think you deserve. I got good news if you're here and you're like, man, I don't even know if I should be here. You don't know where I was last night. That's okay. That's okay. You know why? Because you're here today. And God wants to meet you. And God wants to speak to you. And God wants to get your life back on track. You see, he didn't expect it on that road. And he didn't deserve it. And you know what's funny with him? He didn't even know he needed it. He thought he had it all together. He thought he was doing the right thing. He thought in that moment that that he already had everything he needed. And he was doing everything he needed. He was complete in his mind, but he's seeing completely in black and white. And then he's on a road. And before we get to the road, I want you to know that if you're here and you think you don't need this, that's okay. You're in good company. But I got a feeling that the Holy Spirit is going to talk to you in these next moments. Because if you're here and you think you don't need Jesus, you don't need Christianity, you don't need to see in color, the end of what Paul was doing led to death. I want to share, I want to share because he has the moment on the road and it's important to catch it because the person that showed up on that road was none other than the resurrected Jesus. And he got a glimpse. And he got a glimpse. And in that glimpse, in that glimpse, it changed everything. You see what's fascinating with Paul, which God changes his name to, is he meets him on that road. Saul meets him on the road and God changes his name to Paul because he gives him a new start. You see, when you meet the resurrected Jesus for the first time, and by the resurrected Jesus, I mean you surrender to him. You, you give it to him. You go, man, I believe the tomb is empty. When you, when you do that, what you need to know is in that moment, 
According to Paul, he writes later in the Bible, he says, you are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Seeing in color means that I'm not stuck in the old. If you're here and you go, man, I'm stuck in a rut. I got good news for you. I got good news for you. The resurrected Jesus sets you free from a rut. He takes the old and he makes it brand new. If you're here and you're like, I'm sick of life. I don't even know if I'm going to make it through life. I got good news for you. He makes it new. You are a new creation in Christ. We, we just sang a song. You know who wrote those words? That I'm chosen? First Thessalonians is a letter that Paul wrote. Guess what? He says in that, I am chosen. Meaning I'm not forsaken. God hasn't abandoned me. When God went to the cross and spread out his arms, he spread them out for all, for everyone. He declares over you today, I want love, need to know, need to meet you. Because I got a life that's full of color for you. There's another thing he writes is that there is now no condemnation. There's no guilt. If you're here and you're guilty, the resurrected Jesus sets you free from that. See, living in color versus living in black and white, living in black and white is I am guilty as charged. I can't get out of my guilt. I'm stuck in my guilt. It owns me every single day. I live in regret of my guilt. Can I tell you that you weren't intended to live that way? That is why Jesus came. That is why the tomb is empty because he opened a way. Why? So that you can see in color. The version of color is you are free in Christ. Addiction has no place, by the way, when Jesus shows up. You want healing from addiction? I got good news for you. Because you get a glimpse of Jesus and all of a sudden what happens is you transform because of freedom. You can step out of addiction today. Because that is what our Jesus does. Paul later wrote this, uh, this line that you are forgiven by God. If you're here today and your mistakes weigh heavy and they've been owning you for a while, that's black and white living. Living in color through a glimpse of the resurrected Jesus is that you're completely forgiven. Your mistakes are not who you are. Your mistakes have to die. They stay in the tomb. And what comes out on the other side is you are forgiven and free.